Okay, MCFC, yours. Uh, this is Bo, and today is my pick. I picked Chantal Ackerman's 1975 uh, movie that will try your patience, Jean Dillman. And so I just want to warn you before we get in here, you should probably watch this movie. This is going to be an important one. Um, do it and then come back. Uh, but when you do come back, you know, come with us. Stop doing your chores and put a towel on the bed because things are about to get messy. Okay, welcome, 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 MCFC in the house, Movie Cinema Film Club. I got my two best friends here. Ian, say hello. Bonjour. Uh, good to see you, Bo. Uh, uh, that's the most talking I've heard in hours. Um, and Brittany, <laughs> say hello. Hey, I just put down my potato I was peeling and I'm ready for action. Oh, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. As we always do here, uh, we have a drink in hand, I'm sure. I know I do. And, uh, we go through our dailies. So, uh, Britt, what's your daily this week? This week, so much is going on. Let me tell you, life has been a fucking whirlwind. But I had a very nice surprise over the weekend in the form of a, an unexpected and very sincerely awesome gift. Um, I had a pop-up over the weekend. I was making some smash burgers. And uh, this chef that I worked with so briefly, like I really, in the grand scheme of things, kind of barely know this person, but you know, we're both in the industry and, and we've worked together a little bit. Um, she was there and she ate the burger and was raving. And um, after the fact, she, as a thank you slash congrats, I guess, went across the street to a liquor store and came back with a bottle of whiskey. And I was like, oh my God, that's so nice like how thoughtful of you right then i tasted it i'm like whoa this is fucking delicious i poured a glass for myself and for her and uh, she's like yeah yeah this is my favorite i i really love it and i just you know i wanted you to have it this was also great blah 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 i get home and show it to Bo, and he's like that's um that's like really nice like that's like a really nice bottle and and we looked it up and, and i was like what the f it's like kind of very expensive and so i just felt super like humbled and and in awe of the unnecessary niceness of this person um so thanks rocio you're awesome and uh and i have a very nice bottle of scotch in my house now so I, I would dare to say that it's a very, 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 very nice bottle of scotch yeah. in your house. Yeah. Does <laughs> yeah. Does your chef friend need any other friends that uh, uh, I mean I could just she, kinda you know, mow her lawn or something? I don't know. She <laughs> seems maxed out from what I can tell, uh, but like I'll you know, I'll oh. I'll try to see what I can do. Yeah. <laughs> Ian. What is your daily? Well, you're never going to believe this, but Britt stole my darn daily. Wow. Uh, ironically enough. She bought you uh, a bottle too? <laughs> uh, not quite, but it does revolve around a gift. Uh, as you both know, I was unable to return home for the holidays because of like that massive winter vortex storm that destroyed Buffalo. Sure. And I never got home. And... Uh, that strange, you know, fuck up in this, for, pardon my French, uh, <laughs> just oh like delayed, delayed all the Christmas exchanges and whatnot. Essentially, my brother and sister-in-law sent me a, my Christmas gift and I, it came in the mail yesterday and I just really want to praise them. Uh, they got me uh, like two books related to film and cinema. So Ooh. this one about Buster Keaton and the dawn of like, Cinema, cinema age and method acting and like these books that I was like you you wow. know me you get Aww. me yeah. I was super that's stoked great. to see a book about Buster Keaton and probably oh. that's a small minority of people but I'm like oh <laughs> right. that's so thoughtful and that like that really struck me so thank you Nathan and Melissa uh, that meant a lot to that's me that's rad nice yeah 
Wow, that's wild because I'm actually going to show you a gift that I received this week. <laughs> and I guess, did we talk beforehand? I'm just kidding. Um, so my daily is uh, something that hasn't happened yet, but I'm really excited about, which is I'm putting together this group of people. It's happening this weekend. I created this thing I'm calling PAVE that's all about getting creative people together to sort of like level up in their life. So there's going to be a group of 12 of us in one room. We're all going to get messy with our hopes and dreams and see what we can do in the next year to achieve everything. And I'm so stoked about it. It's like on my brain all the time. Like I'm just so excited to be doing this. So uh, Britt doesn't really even know it, but she's part of the group. I mean, she knows that, but she's <laughs> going to make know some that food. I'm going, We're going to yeah. make some drinks. Yeah. But like, other than that, I haven't shared my full vision of what this could be. And, uh, I just don't think I've been this excited for a project that I'm working on for quite some time. So I'm very, very excited. And that is my daily. It's like this whole week. I just been like grinding and taking notes and coming up with really, uh, interesting conversation we can have and we'll see if it happens we'll just see if it happens i think i speak for all our listeners where we're excited to see where this goes hopefully more dailies yeah. in the future mm. <laughs> <laughs> thanks ian <laughs> uh all right so uh let's get into this movie this is gonna be a wild conversation uh jean <laughs> dilman by Chantel Ackerman from 1975, starring Delphine Serig. So this movie is about Jean, the widowed mother of a teenage son, who ekes out of a drab, repetitive existence in her tiny Brussels apartment. Jean's days are divided between humdrum domestic chores, shopping, cooking, housework, and her job as an occasional pro prostitute, which keeps her financially afloat. She seems perfectly resigned to her situation until a series of slight interruptions in her routine leads to an unexpected and dramatic change. Uh, I want to start this one off with, actually, I want to start off with Brittany, because I, like, uh, I feel like you were probably most excited to, to watch this when I said it. So yeah. uh, let's hear what you got to say. What, what, where'd this take you? How do you feel? I was excited to watch this because this is one of those ones that I noticed on Criterion so so long ago and was kind of intrigued but cautious because it's so long and over the course of several months I kept seeing it pop up on this list or that list of great films or greatest films or you must watch blah 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 but still never I just could not find the willpower to pull the trigger uh, so thanks for forcing me to do that <laughs> so um, I think that I wrote more notes for this film than any other one <laughs> that we've watched, at least wow. in recent memory. Um, I, I have a lot of feelings. Um, and I, I have to say this is one movie I'm glad that I was able to watch at least in two parts. I, I really wish I had watched it in one. I just did not have the time this week. Um, but I feel like for the, the longer chunk of it that I watched initially, I feel like I almost entered like a meditative state watching this. And I don't know mm. if it just was because like I had such a busy week that it really was the longest chunk of time that I just like sat and watched something and didn't, you know, wasn't multitasking or doing anything else. Um, or maybe it just is like this film really just like pulls you into that place as you're watching her do all of these mm. mundane tasks in almost essentially real time. Um, but that, that was very interesting. And this is for sure one of the most unique films I've ever seen. Cannot think of another thing like it in any way. Um, I would love to know how this script got sold because... There's no, like, what is this idea? How do you describe this? Like, yeah, a woman does a lot of chores and there's almost no dialogue. I could be wrong about this, but I feel like I read somewhere that she had a different script that was proposed to 
like the Belgium Fine Arts Association that greenlit and gave her oh. like funding and a grant, and then she threw it out and then did this movie. And she that used is, that money. Oh wow! That's I could be wrong, but that's I, how that I, went down. Because otherwise, I, yeah. I mean, yeah, I hope you're not wrong because that sounds fucking badass. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's 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 just one of those things. that's like I don't know how to describe this to a person. Um, it, it's just uh, like nothing else. Um, it almost to me feels like the film equivalent of like I could see a version of this in like brooklyn in the 80s like in some shitty art space somewhere like someone's doing like performance art of like i am a woman doing domestic chores and i will Mm. live in this box Mm -hmm. and do chores for a year and you will come watch me like i can see that being a thing like it feels like the movie version of that um but this actress uh holy fuck i mean the amount of emotion that she's able to convey with just like the slightest change in facial expression because that really is essentially all that she has to go on for so much of this movie is just like her her movements of her body and her facial expressions in different situations um i think that she was able to convey a lot of like sadness of this withdrawn person who was just like her life is just fucking kind of awful and she's just like slowly falling apart as you go from day one to day two to day three um and i really liked the way that you see like her life slowly start to unravel it's so subtle it's like she burns the potatoes and she sits down to write a letter but then like she can't and she drops a utensil and like all these things are just such like the, none of these things mean anything. But when they take the time to show you this like perfectly crafted life in the first day and then it like slowly starts to unravel in the second day, um, all of those things suddenly mean so much more. And it's really interesting. Um, I will definitely not watch this movie again, but I'm very glad that I watched it. It's a weird like I, I don't know. I still like kind of don't know how I feel in some ways. Um, but man, what a fucking, what a unique piece of cinema this is. I kind of want to know, Ian has had so many looks on his face. Uh, the the, <laughs> the facial talking. expressions yeah. <laughs> that Ian has conveyed the, in the this time of you talking. Stroking. I've taken, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've taken at least four screenshots <laughs> of just his face doing this thing reacting to every word you say in such disgust and disdain yeah so i'd love to hear a little bit about where where ian's coming from on this film i mean it's almost like i'm reflecting about a crime i just committed (laughs) so um well uh where to begin uh you know a buddy of mine back in Philly once asked like, what's the best piece of pizza you ever had? And there was like two answers to that. Like the qualitative, like, Oh, the ingredients, the, you know, the, the wood, the wood oven, all the things that make the slice of pizza very good. And then there's like the experiential, like, I don't know, we'd go down, you know, post after like basketball practice, have this greasy slice with some like Mountain Dew. And it was like so much fun. It was such a great atmosphere. And I, I loved it. Mm-hmm. And like these ideas of what we associate of evaluating something. And the hard thing with this movie coming in is, right, part of the reason we watched it is because Sight and Sound declared it, their critics poll declared it the greatest movie of all time, right? Mm-hmm. All these best of lists are arbitrary, it's subjective, but the stakes were set high. Now, that's not fair to Chantel Ackerman. And, but I'm going into this. With the expectations, this is the greatest movie of all time, right? Conceptionally, I agree with everything you said, Britt. Like, I've never seen a film like this. I think a lot of people will identify it as groundbreaking in terms of its pace. Bo disagrees with me right now. Yeah, I can <laughs> <laughs> I think he's doing his best Ian impersonation. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, oh. it started to look like you were performing some kind of sex act. But okay. No. 
I couldn't tell if you were in pain or having an orgasm. Uh, yes. <laughs> sometimes but, it be that. <laughs> sometimes it is that. Uh, but with the points you made, Brett, I agree with you. And that, yeah, this is like so slow paced. Each shot is like, the, the camera is not moving in any shot. Right. It is all set pieces. It's all real time. It's all things I don't think anyone did in a film before. It's kind of wild. And I had a hard time getting through this. We know because, because you texted us twice during. Yeah, yeah. because some of <laughs> yeah. us watched the whole thing straight through. But uh, you, Ian. <laughs> yeah, but, but, but yeah. I watched yeah. it so, without texting you know, anyone just, while I was watching it, though. But just so our listeners understand, this film is three hours and 20 minutes. Yeah. So that, that's, a, that's a beast. That's a beast yeah. of a film. And, you know, you mentioned to me, like, well, how do you describe this to other people? And it, uh, the day after, I watched it Saturday night on Sunday, went on a long run with a bunch of friends. A couple of the people had been interested in this movie. And it was ironic because I, we all didn't go see it because, like, I don't know if I have, I don't have the, I don't have the energy for this three and a half hour movie. And I was like, well, I watched it. And it's like three hours of a woman doing chores. And a lot of people were like, well, that's interesting. Like, everyone was like, I like <laughs> I like the boldness of this, but a thing I really struggled with, and I kept thinking about this, is like, look, I don't, I'm not a person that needs to have a happy ending. I'm happy experiencing a myriad of emotions during a movie. You know, negative emotions, disgust, fright, sadness, whatever. Mm -hmm. But to me, three hours of watching the rote routines it evoked boredom and I just kind of was like, I don't care. <laughs> like I, and I understand there's a lot of subtlety to this, but I kind of thought about if this is modern storytelling, if movies, film, television is modern storytelling, but if we went to hunter gatherer times and we're like convening around a campfire and our friend Bo, I was like, Bo, how was the day? He's like, well, I picked up some rocks and I hit them against <laughs> each other to spark some stuff. And I just kept doing that. And I kept like hitting the rocks against each other to spark them. And, and that didn't work too much. And then I walked around a little bit and then I hit the rocks somewhere. I'd be like, shut up, Bo. I don't care. I don't care, Bo. And I would walk away from you. Right. Wow. And that's wow. kind of how I was like, I don't, your mundane day to day, that's depressing. Look, this and I will, you know, I admit this is the one time after a movie, I was like, why do people love this so much? Like, and I was Googling and I did, this is one of the few times I took like a quote from the New Yorker and it's like, Jean Dielman itself is not pleasurable, or at least not in any obvious or easy sense. The film's strength derives in significant part from its austerity, patience, and extreme discipline. I admire this film. I do respect this film. It is, it just was heavy lifting to, for me. It was just hard work. It's interesting. Uh, I, hear, I hear what you're saying. I, I want to play devil's advocate real quick. Yeah. Uh, just because what you said kind of like struck me as funny because what you're saying is like the mundane, boring parts of this person's life got you to a point where you're like, I don't give a fuck. I'm done with this. I'm so done with this, which is exactly what the film does. Yeah, <laughs> She has this mundane life that is so mm -hmm. repetitive and going and going. And she's just like, there's something kind of clicks off and she just loses it. And is like, fuck it, I'm done. And I feel like, is that the point of the film? Is to put yeah. you in this place as a viewer? And we're so impatient with the view or the idea of that, that we go like, just give me the action. Just give me a point. Just give me the thing. I don't want the fuck. I don't want this thing. But I think, isn't that the whole point of this? Her, her success of, of actually doing that thing. Th you know, I want to respond to that because I agree. Like experientially that like I had these moments of like almost screaming at the TV, like Stop washing the dishes. Like, ah, like, and I, like, I've never had this reaction to a film. Like, it is yeah. wild. And I do want to point out, Britt, you made that comment of like almost a meditative state. Similarly, I've never had this where like there's that scene early on where she's like bathing herself and it goes on for so long. Mm -hmm. And I found myself just like focused on the toothbrush holder 
And I was like, oh, this is uh, wi- this is really wild. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm yeah. staring at all the other objects in the room because right. that nothing else is happening in terms of the action. And like, that's a incredibly unique experience that I don't, I don't know, yeah. but yeah. And, and I agree with you, like that evoked the emotion out of me. But then again, I'm like, I almost felt like I was, it was like a prank. I almost felt uh, like this. I think okay. I, I, I do think that that is part of the strength of this movie is like, there was one scene, maybe it was like she was peeling potatoes or making meatloaf, whatever. There was Her hands were very much in the shot. And I noticed that she was wearing her wedding ring. And it's established very yep. early on that she's a widow. And I went down this whole thought spiral of like, oh my God, like she's still wearing her ring. Like how long ago did her husband die? Does she wear it while she's having her like afternoon appointments with these johns like it just like i went on this whole journey while she's peeling potatoes of like what her wearing this wedding ring means um and i think that we are supposed like as viewers i think we're supposed to be bored i think we're supposed to be challenged i think we're supposed to be thinking about the toothbrush and the wedding ring and all of these things yeah and uh I I actually did you say that was the the New Yorker that you were just talking about Ian? Yeah. Cuz it might have been the same article I wrote down a quote as well from the New Yorker because I think that the boredom like I can see the boredom of this being such like a you can either accept it or you can't and that's going to be like you either do or don't like this movie on that one thing alone. Um and I wrote down this quote uh it says this boredom, a boredom firmly fixed in space, time, and intention, is entirely different from the boredom I feel watching the strobing, spatially incoherent slice-and-dice montage that dominates much of contemporary cinema, from franchise blockbusters to Academy Award winners for film editing. One permits you to think, even insists that you think. The other obliterates thought. And I, for me, that mm. so perfectly sums up because I ha- like I do I hate yeah. so many movies these days. Like so much of modern movie going is just awful. And to be bored in this way, I I don't know that it can be repeated or should be. But I was just like no, so No, it shouldn't. It shouldn't. I was I was so intrigued and like went on such a journey with the boredom of this movie and I don't understand why I liked it in some ways and I was challenged at points but I think that the ending is so satisfying that it really makes the rest of the movie make sense and feel worth it the length of time that we spend on that last shot is unbelievable is unbelievable and you're just like you're really sitting in it you're really forced to sit in your own shit a little bit and i think this film is like going to a really great museum and it you leave going wow that was kind of crazy right that was like an experience i just had like we just we just did this thing in it like i remember going to a show one time and the whole exhibit was you walk up this ramp that goes from light to absolutely no light at all at the end of this long ramp. And at the top of that ramp, it's a little tunnel almost, there's only two chairs up there and you can't see them because by the time you get there, it's completely and utterly black, okay? The, before you walk into this exhibit, it says you need to sit to fully experience this. You have to walk up there and spend 15 minutes, 15 minutes in the complete dark. And when you get up there, you feel around, you find your chair, you sit down, and it is fucking so frustrating, so unbelievably uncomfortable, because as you sit in this space, and you you can tell it's a big space, but you don't know what's in front of you. So you're scared almost. It's like, what's going to pop out? What, is, what are my eyes going to adjust to? And what am I going to see? I can not hear anything, but I can hear something of something. Like, I don't know what this is. And most people couldn't do it. They just couldn't wait the 15 minutes. They're like, no, I'm not doing this. This is, I can't do it. It's fucking no. And I remember doing it 
and leaving going like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad I did that, but it's the weirdest, most uncomfortable, nonsensical in some ways, like to most uh, experiences in a museum I've ever had. Uh, but it's the artist is forcing you to take this journey that in no other place in your world will you probably do, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think this film is a lot like that. It's like it's forcing you to sit down and watch this world as it happens instead of like hammering you over the head with like story, character development, all this stuff. Listen, again, it comes down to what do you think cinema is? Like, what is it? Is it a, a beginning, middle and end? Is it these are the characters I love and action and blah, 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 and this and that? It's like, I think if you watch a good documentary, like, you know, uh, that's amazing because the, it's hard to make a story a lot of times because the story has to happen for you, right? So if you're making something that unfolds in front of your eyes, I think we saw, uh, what is it? Uh, psych, psych, taxoplasm. What's the oh, symbiosis? Psychotaxoplasm. Take one. Right. I think, I think that film is similar to this film, only one's more of a documentary, obviously. But it's like, you're, you're, you're almost like maddened by mm-hmm. like, what is this? Like, what the <laughs> fuck? And I think that's why it, it, it allows, it's, it's not your typical movie or film, but like it is something interesting, I think. Mm-hmm. And, and, and again, Ian, you had a lot of faces right there as I talked. So why don't you, why don't you give me some bullet points of what you're thinking on that? To Bill Greaves. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I, again, I think there's this question about like, what is your criteria of what makes a good movie? What does that mean to you? And in fact, I thought about you because you were such a fan of Cinema Paradiso, a, a, an ode to film, an ode to the movie-going experience. And there was also this element that I do wonder if I went to a movie theater and saw this, where I'm like, I'm locked in, and I'm with other people, and here we are, let's go. I'm sitting on a chair for 15 minutes, and in the dark, I'm sitting in a theater for three hours and 20 minutes, versus watching it on my own couch, and I was like, ah, oh, I'm falling asleep every like hour i would set a timer every hour like all right because yeah i was i was wearing pajamas on my couch and uh watching my mom you know make meatloaf and so yeah i just keep coming back to like how you know to your point and i and i jotted down this note that was like there, somebody once said, like, oh, you know, you sh- you know if you don't like uh, Ernest Hemingway's writing, revisit him when you're, like, a 45-year-old man. You'll get it, kind of <laughs> thing. Like, you're not going to get it as a 16-year-old in high school. When you're 45, I'm like, you'll, you'll enjoy it, whatever. And, and, that it, and I wondered, sure. and I thought, oh, I bet 20-year-old hipster Ian would have seen this movie and, like, raved about it. It would have seen the poem, like, oh, my God, what, like, yeah, you don't understand like this. And there's this 40 year old version of me. That's like, I had a long work week. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Like I was peeling potatoes all week. Kind of like, I don't know. I don't know if I'm the audience for it. And hmm. I do want to reiterate, like my negativity towards this is not taking into account everything you both just said. Like, in one respect, I get it, but then there's other this there's this part of me that's almost pushing back where I feel like academics and film critics and the cinephiles are telling me like no 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 this is incredible <laughs> I'm like I don't know I didn't really enjoy it you know <laughs> like yeah. I, and and it, it's just this well that's okay I think, maybe I, I think the I truth am, is is like that's okay that you didn't enjoy it yeah that but but I think part of the reason you didn't enjoy it from what I'm listening to is your expectation of what it should have been. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you already brought your stuff to it. Like, this is the greatest movie of all time. Who can live up to that, you know? And I think I watched it not, with it, not having that expectation. And again, I was challenged by this a sure. lot. Like, I, I, I'm saying, like, positive things so far, but, like, 
What I didn't say is that I probably wouldn't recommend this to most people that I know. Like, and the reason I wouldn't is because I don't think most movie watchers, you know, most people who go to the movies because they want a story, because I just don't think they have the patience for this kind of experiment, this kind of like journey. But because we're doing this podcast, I was like, keep an open mind. Think about what this is and how are we getting there? But believe me, I was challenged. I was like, <laughs> what the fuck? Where are we going? But then I almost was like, I, like a moment where I like, not like I got the joke, but that's how I wanted to say it. Like, oh, okay. I feel like I'm being forced to sit in my own filth right now and like watch this and, and have right. that experience. It's more about that. Well, I think it's worth noting that this came out in 75, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't think that's a mistake. I mean, this is a, she was in her mid twenties making this movie in the mid seventies. I think there's something to be said for the fact that like this puts right in your face, like everything that women for centuries leading up to this have been doing every single day without thanks, without acknowledgement, without pay, with, you know, and it's like, this is the middle of like feminism fucking just like setting the world on fire. And this movie is about a woman who we're being forced to watch do all of these tasks that so many women have been doing for so long. And this woman snaps. Like, <laughs> I kind of feel like if you're not bored watching this, then the movie didn't succeed. Like, I think that it's, it, you are supposed to kind of hate this in order to love it. Like, I think that that's part of it. <laughs> like, that's I think that's part true. Of the I think I agree yeah. with you, Brittany. Yeah. That was a great point. Ian's, that probably Ian's not sold. <laughs> no, I think that's one of the, I think that's an incredible point. Is probably going to elevate my rating. That's a great Ooh, point. All right, let's get that <laughs> half point. Um, I also yeah, like yeah. we've been we've been sort of tiptoeing around the ending somewhat, but I did want to talk about it in more detail. And this is the last chance for anyone who has had any slight inkling of maybe wanting to experience the journey of this movie. Um, I don't think it can be enjoyed in any capacity if you know how it ends so please go away and watch it if that's the case and then come back um three and a half hours pause this (laughs) episode (laughs) um but i i I did want to talk about it especially because i had the thought very early on in the film of it we know that this woman is a sex worker we see her in every single second of her day, pretty much, except for the sex. And so, like, there is a part of me that was like, well, why? Like, it seems like that would be such an obvious choice of, like, the sex is just another chore, right? Like, why are we not seeing this? You know, you wash the dishes, and then you boil the potato, and then you have the sex, and then blah, 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 right? Like, that seems like that would but be... But you see her... Yeah, it's it's not about the... It's not about the nudity because we see her naked in the shower or the bath for exactly. like 20 minutes yeah. after. And so there was a part yeah. of me that was like, well, that seems like such a weird choice. Like, why would you not show that as one of the many mundane parts of her day? And then, of course, you get to the end where you finally see her having sex. And it like there are so many questions of like, was her discomfort in that because like this guy specifically was doing something that was like either he was breaking some kind of established rule or is this how she like always is when she's having sex with these guys and it's just awful and uncomfortable the entire time always or is this just like finally her breaking point but I think that the fact that they waited to show her having sex until the end where she finally loses it and stabs this guy makes it that much more powerful and then like in that moment i was like oh now i know why you didn't show any of the sex because like if we had been seeing it this would not have the same impact at all well also 
uh, I think especially in 1975, like if you were to show sex in any way, it would like, oh, what's going on here? What's going on? But you don't have any of those. You don't have any of those. Ooh, what's this? Like, it's, there's no exciting moment of this film really at all <laughs> until that moment, you know? Right. And, and, uh, Britt, you brought up a great point because, like, as I was watching this in the one go, and oh, like, Jesus. No, 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 you don't no. But there's any more credit for that, Ian? <laughs> uh, no. Well, no, I would pause each hour and, like, throw some water on my face and then, like, sure. all right. Um, <laughs> But, 20 miles. but this occurs, <laughs> this dramatic moment occurs around like hour three. Like there's like 20 minutes left in the movie. And I remember like, it like rocked yeah. me out of my seat because it's like, oh, let's yeah. go. Like yeah. <laughs> something just happened. And it's, uh, it's funny, not funny, but um, uh, again, the timing of the recording of this, uh, my beloved Buffalo Bills were eliminated from the playoffs. That's okay. <gasps> they were destroyed. It wasn't even close. Bills Moff. Bills Moff. Oh, Bills Moff. Uh, I didn't know. I'm so it's sorry. Too late. Is it too late? It's okay. But <laughs> the reason I bring it up is if you had been if you weren't living under a rock, twenty uh, some days ago, a Buffalo Bills player, Demar Hamlin, had cardiac arrest on the field. Mm-hmm. It's been much documented in the news. He has ostensibly full recovery, doing great. Uh, but he was at the stadium for the game on Sunday. And they, you know, a lot of sports reporters were like, the idea of it was supposed to be like emotional jolt for the team, really inspire him. And if it was like the movies, it's kind of like, we haven't heard from him in 15 months. Yeah. And then he like comes out of nowhere, like give him hell guys. I'm like, ah, but they're like, he kind of was, he was like visiting the team all week and like in the locker room, like, Hey guys, you know, like, uh. and then, so then they were like, he's at the stadium, everybody. And like it, the team was kind of like, yeah, you know, it <laughs> didn't have, we all kind of, we kind of knew the surprise was ruined mm. where this had such a shocking effect. Cause they never, sh- you're both right. Like they never show it until this final moment. Um, so well done. Mm. Touche. <laughs> Did did we get another point? Did we point Ackerman? Yeah. <laughs> no, but you're, you're all the way up to one. You're all the way up to one point five now. Yeah. Um. <laughs> but then the question to you, Britt Ambo, like, because I was again reading others' analyses of that final scene, but like, I couldn't tell if she was right, if she was struggling or opposed to unpleasurable sex. But then other people were like she experienced this orgasm that she doesn't typically experience during sex, which that was a surprising take to me, but that, that gets into this idea of this is her moment of freedom of like, Oh, I can experience pleasure and enjoy in this world. And I'm going to pursue, I'm not going to be this widow. That's going to be doing these chores anymore. Like this is my moment. I don't know. Why, why did she decide to, why did she decide to stab him? That's a great question. With that in mind. Right. And I was like the symbolism of like, man's not going to keep me down anymore. Women empowerment and whatnot. I don't know. I don't. I, I, I kind of feel like that wouldn't really make sense if it was an orgasm. It more felt to me like she was just like, I'm done being treated like this. Yeah. I hate that I have to like he was do so, this like, to survive. Ugh. It didn't look like enjoyable <laughs> yeah. sex, but no. Yeah, uh, <laughs> no. I thought it was more rapey that she's like, I'm, I'm done. Not rapey, yeah. but you know. I, well, I, didn't it think just, it, I didn't think it was, yeah. Or she just snaps, right? Because it's like, yeah. well, what did he do that? I didn't that- feel like it was rapey. I, I didn't feel like it was rapey only because, like, this person is paying for sex. Like, that is already right. an, a, an agreement. That's a contract. But then he's right. just sort of like, yeah, it's just sort of this weird, gross, like, uh, and she's just like, I'm done. It I'm seemed done to me shit. like he was just especially, like, he was just like so on top of her in a way that was like, can she even breathe right now? You know, like he was just kind of like smothering her and like breathing all gross. And like, I, to me, if she was having an orgasm in that situation, good for you. Uh, but I, I also would <laughs> like not to ask seem like every woman you've ever been with, Ian. <laughs> <laughs> is this is this the norm, He's buddy? Like, this is, this is the what norm? orgasms look like, like, right, guys? Right. I, I was jotting down lots of notes during that scene. I was like, okay, yeah. okay, wear a white undershirt. Okay, um, he did kind of look like me. He had the mustache and like kind of oh, shaggy or longer man. hair. 
Oh boy, we should talk oh. about this after we're done recording, Ian. <laughs> um, <laughs> any other thoughts on this film, guys? Oh, because uh, just to be clear, like I, I didn't really have anything other than what you guys already said. So I know I chimed in a little bit, but like that was everything that I had as well. So any other any other yeah, points before we? Uh, I think we covered pretty much everything the only super random thing that i didn't get to was um i wrote down this feels like the feature length version of timothy chalamet crying in the credits of call me by your name nice <laughs> because I, it is I just the like exact same it's thing. that thing of the like same thing. there's like you're just looking at this person and having to like infer mm-hmm. all of the things that are going yeah. on in their head in their life like you can tell there's yep. a lot going on, but they're not spoon feeding it to you. It just felt like someone made a movie of like the vibe of that scene. I will say this. There's one thing that kind of distracted me and I'm still not sure why it was in the film, but whenever they're in the living room, there was this blue light. It was like flickering oh, yeah. up mm. and down. like yeah, And it looked like film almost or something. And I was like, there, it was distracting enough, and it, it wasn't really explained other than, there, I guess there must have been a light across the street or something. Like a right. bar but, light, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but I was like, it was happening so often and so obvious that I was like, are we going to pull back and find out that these people aren't real, and it's like they're all a little like play set in an alien's I- world or some shit? And it's like, I, don't, I didn't like that because I don't want something to have, I don't want to be like thinking of like, What's the weird twist this is going to be, you know? I'd rather been sitting there and experiencing the film as it is. Um, I thought that was a little distracting. Mm. So it sucks I, I don't know what that was. It, it seems like one of those things where, like, if we were watching this in 75, we wouldn't be thinking, oh, what's that twist going to, you know? Because that's something that we've been trained right, from right. so many other movies that came after this that had bullshit like that. I don't know that that light was supposed to serve any purpose other than it kind of felt to me like this reminder of like the rest of the world that was happening outside of their very mundane, right. orderly, awful existence. Especially I also in the thought last it scene. could be the sort of thing where maybe in 1975, you know, most people would look at success as having a house out in the suburbs. Right. Mm. But they're living in town in this space across from this kind of light where it's just like a a constant reminder that they are kind of stuck in this place. She has to prostitute herself, that she's doing these mundane things. It's just, so I thought maybe it's that, you know? Mm. I could see that. Anyway, I'd buy that for a dollar. Um, Oh. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Now that's Uh, a movie. Money. Uh, are you guys ready for trivia? Hell yeah. Yes. All right. Well, get your get your damn hands up. I mean, get them ready. Uh, as we do, we ask two questions. First one is worth one, and the second one is worth two. This is, of course, our favorite part of the whole show, and uh, I'm very excited about this week. Um, Jean Dilman features no music and instead favors. A diegetic soundtrack where the source of every sound is visible or occurs on screen. In this film, it helps to build space and tension. What 1963 Alfred Hitchcock movie doesn't have a soundtrack either? Brittany. Psycho. That is incorrect. Go ahead, Ian, with your hand up. Rear window. That is also incorrect. Ooh, the movie what? is The Birds. The oh. Birds had no music. As soon as that, it, I was like 63, that's yeah. too, so Psycho was later 60s, huh? Well, well, you know that Psycho had music because it was like, dun, 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 oh, dun. Duh. Yeah. <laughs> I Some of the most famous music. <laughs> For me, I thought with Rear no. Window, like, because yeah. the whole, like, the whole square or the courtyard was like all the sounds oh, of the neighbors. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Right. Damn. Damn. Um, yeah, yep. So that was yeah. the birds. And, and honestly, the birds did a great job of like building tension without sound. There's quiet. Mm. There's just the, the sound of the birds, you know? Great, great uh, okay. Well, great no question. points on the first one. 
But guys, don't forget. Number uh, two. Was, here we go. Two points. Oh, wait, that was yes. Alfred Russell Hitchcock? <laughs> <laughs> That's correct. That's correct. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. Number two. Here we go. Uh, cinema, cinema verite and direct cinema are two different styles of filmmaking that traditionally use live sound and handheld cameras. Both seek truth through film. The difference between the two is that direct cinema keeps the filmmaker out of the documentary and cinema verite inserts the filmmaker into it. My question is, what is each other's middle name? Go ahead, Brittany. Each other's meaning like uh, Ian's and Bo's? No. no, what is Ian's middle name? Um, Ian, what sounds good? Uh, Ian, I feel like at some point I knew this. Maybe. Well, you better answer. I mean, you can't. Well, I'm gonna you say, can't wait forever. Uh, I'm gonna say. Uh, well, it's it's Bo Brandon. I know that. No, and, you don't need mine. It's just oh, Ian's. just Ian's. Okay, Ian. Yes. Ian. Wow, I think you're out of time here. Yeah, bro. I know. Le okay, Ian. Uh, Bob. Okay, time's Ian up. Bob. Ian, uh, did you want to make a guess? Was Did you want to guess, Ian? Wait, was Brit's guess Bob? I that was like was 30 Bob. seconds. That was 30 seconds of her going. Ah, uh, well, uh, I also uh, had to uh, clarify. Okay. Uh, okay, go ahead, Ian. What's your guess? I think I got this. Brittany Marie. Marie middle name. Well, I mean. Well, that's your well, Brittany, guess. Is it? So I no. I like it. He's like. <laughs> what is it? <laughs> he looked so confident. <laughs> Cause we no, no. Sorry, you're you're in the right what, what? ballpark. It is French, but it's Brittany Renee. Ah, I knew it was <laughs> Well, I'm so glad we were able to continue this middle name game. Oh, I love uh, you here both. on you're MCFC. <laughs> um, so guys, let's get back to our ratings. Wait, what is Ian's middle what name? What did we rate? Oh, I think Tune in, Bob. Tune in next time for the next episode. <laughs> Tune in next time for Ian's middle name. Yeah. Uh, my what is it, Ian? My middle name is Stefan. Wow. Stefan. Of course wow. it is. With an F. <laughs> All right, you people. How did we rate this film? Let's get to it. Ian, I'd like you to go first. Sure. Ian, Stefan here. And <laughs> Stefan. Uh, Stefan Dimont. Stefan Dimont. Oh, my God. <laughs> So, I rated Jean Dielman. I knew that you would hate going first. And that's I, why I, I, don't, I, I don't hate going first. Um, I recognize why people really love this movie. I don't think I'll, um, the mass public would necessarily love this movie. Mm -hmm. I gave this a 6.5. Wow, that's that's actually a lot higher than I thought. I know. I thought I was I'm for surprised. sure it's going to be less than five for Ian. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm surprised you didn't love this, to be honest, because you were sort of the Jean Dillemont of critics because you're long-winded. <laughs> Sometimes you don't know where you're going with this. And then in the end, I always enjoy it, you know? Yeah. So Aww. it's like and, and every uh, once in a while yeah. he spontaneously stabs someone and I'm like, whoa, yeah. Jean. Jean Stefan. Oh, and there is uh, that let's calm down. That orgasm giving that he has in him. <laughs> um, yeah. How about you, Britt? What'd you rate this film? Okay. Um I did overall very much enjoy this as challenging as it was i think and we've talked about this before for sure with like something like never rarely sometimes always um where mm -hmm. you know i don't need to like have a ball to think that a film is great at accomplishing what it set out to do and i think that this absolutely nailed what it set out to do um is it the greatest film of all time? I don't think, in my opinion, it is. Um, but I do think that it's a fantastic film that I will never watch again. It's a very weird thing. But I honestly think, like, for what it is, as bizarre as it is, I have no notes, and it's a 10. Whoa. Wow. Yeah. 
Wow, a uh, ten. Yeah. Hey. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, okay. I honestly want to just piggyback off everything you said. Honestly, you you've been the voice of all of my my feelings on this. Um, I'm not giving this film a ten. Uh, I am giving it a nine. I think that it did, like you said, everything it set out to do. But in the end, I did feel it feel like it felt more like an artistic installation experience and it did try me a little too hard um to give it a perfect score so um yeah but i i I do think i've never seen anything like it and i hope i never see anything like it again that's the (laughs) truth uh yes yeah so all right well listen ladies and germs uh that was this week's mcfc and uh there's really nothing else to say, you know? I mean, we could go on and on about this film and, and, and make funny jokes and, and ultimately just put together a meatloaf in real time, which I wouldn't mind doing. Uh, but I think we don't need to. I'm just going to say this. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. Attention, MCFC listeners. I am bringing us to a very special place next week. We are going to watch a new film, a shorter film. So I'm changing it up in multiple ways. And we're going to a place that I feel very comfortable in, the kitchen. And we will be watching the 2022 Mark Millad film, The Menu. So put on your whitest whites and gather round for family meal movie cinema film club is brought to you by shit show media make sure you check out all of our upcoming movies we'll be talking about on our instagram at movie cinema film club if you have an opinion a comment or a movie you think we should watch and discuss email us at movie cinema film club at gmail.com this week's episode was written by ian Chof, Brittany everett and me bo hufford and it was edited by Brittany everett Remember, support your local cinema, don't spoil films, be oh so quiet at the movies, and for the love of God, choose to read subtitles and boycott film dubbing. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.